Welcome to this teaching from Calvary Chapel Divine, Texas. Calvary Chapel Divine is just a casual church for everyone. We meet in a common place and we just simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. One of the things that we do emphasize is the sun, salt, and light. We want you to know and grow in the sun, Jesus, but be the salt and the light in this world. If you'd like to get more information on the church, we meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. You can either come in person or watch online, but you can also submit a prayer request. Or if you have any questions about the church at all, you can just go to our website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. With that being said, let's go ahead and stand. We're going to be in the book of Mark chapter 2. We're back to Mark chapter 2 verse 13 uh, where we left off and we'll look at verses 13 through 17 and this is some very intense scripture this week and so if I get a little animated I do that from time to time when I'm very passionate about what I'm teaching and so please just roll with it and also uh, it says in, in Mark chapter 2 verse 13 he went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them and he passed by he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the, at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus, uh, in verse 17, and when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but, the, but sinners. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today's word. We do pray and just ask that you be with us as we uh, go through this portion of scripture. It is a uh, very important piece of scripture for us that are followers of Christ and for us that, that didn't follow, but we understand what it is to, to the need of having the ultimate physician, Jesus Christ, who came and died for the sins of this world. And, and one thing we're going to find out today is that we've all missed the mark that we're all sinners and we all need that physician. And so I pray, Father God, not only for application, but I pray as that, that presence of the Holy Spirit, not only to be as we were in worship, but to be in the Word, that these would be your words. Uh, be with Teresa, with the kids, and allow them to, to learn from your Word as well. And uh, we thank you so much for worship, and thank you for this church, for this building, for Marcus and his family. And we just pray for this building. We pray that you continue to provide for them. And we pray for the city, for the city of Divine. Uh, we pray that we would see many lost come to be saved and many come in to church and so we ask these things in jesus name and everybody said amen go ahead and be seated so i entitled this jesus comes to call sinners i'm gonna look at it in three parts rose and followed him in verses 13 and 14 reclining and questioning in verses 15 and 16 and responding with good news in verse 17. So we had a little break because of the vacation, and so really we need to kind of recap where we're at. Uh, back in chapter 1, and this is going to tie into today's scripture, is in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it says, And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. That's the first thing 
Jesus teaches when he goes out. And it's going to tie into the scripture today. And we also see him calling his disciples as he tells them to follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men in Mark chapter 1 verse 7. And then we learned about Jesus' authority to teach in Mark chapter 1 verse 22. And his authority over evil as he cast out the demon in the synagogue in, verse, in Mark chapter 1 verse 27. We also learned that he has authority over illness and disease. That he can heal any illness and disease. In Mark chapter 1, verse 34. And then we also saw he had authority. Our last time we were in uh, in Mark, we we saw him heal that, that man that had advanced leprosy. And not only touch him, but stay clean. And then as we left in Mark chapter 2, we saw him heal the man paralyzed. And, and Jesus has authority over sin because he says... Your sins are forgiven. He doesn't heal him. Remember we talked about how, how we would see this paralytic man come through the roof and down in front of Jesus. And we would see his greatest need would be what? To walk. But his greatest need was forgiveness of sins. And, and, and we get into this verse today and, and this is why we see him call the next disciple. But one of the things that we're going to see is Jesus rose. And, and in Mark chapter 2, verse 13, it's, it's a very simple thing. As I read this scripture over and over and over, verse 13 stuck out to me like crazy. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Now remember, in chapter 1, he had a booming ministry where? In the synagogue. He could have stayed in church. And kept the ministry going. But he didn't. He left. He went to Peter's house. And then he had a booming ministry at Peter's house. And what does he do? He goes out to a desolate place. He went out. And what do we see now is that he comes back. After hearing the paralytic man, he could have stayed at the house again. And had the same amount of people growing and growing. But he he leaves. And he goes out. And that's why when I read those three letters, he went out. We're supposed to go out. We're supposed to go out. It's a pattern that we see that that Mark shows us over and over and over that not only does he go out to different places, but he keeps teaching and healing. And the church needs to get back to that. It was something the early church used to do. And in Acts chapter 3, verses 18 through 19, we see Peter as he shares, after he heals the lame man, what does he do? He he says in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 18, But what God foretold by mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, thus fulfilled. He thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Even when the apostles were arrested, and the angel frees them, In Acts chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Go stand in the temple and speak to people all the words of this life. The angel tells them, go preach. Go back. And it's something that we're supposed to be doing. The deacons, when the deacons became deacons, they go out sharing. In Acts chapter 6, verse 8, it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. 
And Philip, in Acts chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, as they are scattered after Stephen's death, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Where did Philip go? Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. This is a very small point in the Scripture. He went out. But this is something that the church has forgotten that we're supposed to do. Right? We can't stay inside the church. Jesus didn't stay in the synagogue. The church in America needs to get up and get out. That's something we have to do. We can't hide anymore on our couch. And I'm going to talk about this as we get further into the Scripture. But we see Jesus rose. But not only does He, he rose, but he also, he also asked Levi to follow Him. And we see in verse 14, he's, And as He passed by, he, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And He said to him, Follow Me. And He rose and followed Him. Now let's talk about the tax booth just for a little bit. So the tax booth is... We are very familiar with taxes in America, right? We know what taxes are. We have to deal with them every day. We're taxed on everything. Well, guess what? There's nothing new under the sun. The Romans taxed everybody too. Now, the Romans tax system was set up differently. You would actually put a bid. So let's say somebody wanted to bid for the city of Divine. They would put a bid in and say, okay, I'll collect all the taxes for the city of Divine to give to Rome it's my responsibility, but I can tax them above anything else as long as Rome gets what they want. And that's how they did it. So what the tax collector would do is the tax collector would actually take more money than was, was required. And then if you didn't have money, you know what he had? He had lenders sitting over in the corner. So you could lend money to pay your taxes. And you'd pay at a high interest rate. And so they made a lot of money. And so whenever you went from ship to ship or used the road, guess what? You paid a tax. That's what they did. And we see Levi, y'all know him as Matthew. He wrote the book of Matthew. The word Levi means to join. And that's going to make sense as we get further into the Scripture. But also the book of Matthew means, or, or uh, Matthew actually means gift of God. And, and, and Levi was actually a descendant of the Levi priest. What was he supposed to be? A priest. He was the worst thing, the absolute polar opposite that he could be, a tax collector. And, and a lot of this has to do with the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and what they would put on the people. Because there was a lot of religion being played. And so, you know, as we, we see this, this, you know, Levi collecting money, and, and um, what would have happened is Levi would have been outcast from the temple. He wouldn't have been allowed into the temple. Tax collectors weren't allowed. Tax collectors couldn't actually be an eyewitness. So if they saw a murder... They couldn't be an eyewitness. They weren't allowed to. That's how outcast they were. So whenever you see tax collector and what? Sinners. They bunched them together because that's how they saw them. They, they, as, far as, you know, as far as the Jewish community, they wanted nothing to do with the tax collector. Nothing. And, and so you know, what we see now is, is that same term, follow me. Remember we talked about that. What would the rabbi do? 
the rabbi would say, follow me, that the young man who was 15, who was uh, looking for a rabbi to follow, would actually go to the rabbi. The rabbi may have him follow for a little bit of time, and, and then the rabbi may say, you know what, give me the, the, the book of Judges. And they would have to know it by memory and say the whole thing. And then if, that, if he felt like, okay, yeah, follow me. And then you'd follow that rabbi for 15 years. And so when Jesus says, follow me, it's the same thing he, he said in the earlier chapter when he called the disciples. And we need to look at Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Remember we talked about the synoptic gospels, and we're going to bounce around at times doing that. And, and remember, they're just Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they're just different camera angles. That's all they are. It's a, written by different authors, and it gives us different information. And so it says in verse 27 of Luke chapter 5, it says, After this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. If you got a Bible, you need to highlight that. Leaving everything. When you're called to follow Jesus, you leave the old life behind. You leave everything. He left it all. Levi left everything. And you have to imagine Levi's heart would have been callous because he would have been dealing with people and money all day. And he would have heard every excuse under the sun about how they didn't have money to pay their taxes. And he had to be hard-hearted because he needed to collect that money for Rome. And he also needed to make money. And he also needed to send them over because it was, guess who's, the tax booth? Levi owned the collectors. So he not only made money off the taxes, but he made money off the money being lended. So he would have had a callous heart and would have probably had a lot of money. Most tax collectors did. But he's, he's told to leave everything. And, and Levi, one of the things that we see is Levi would have had to, it tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You, can, you cannot serve God and money. And some translations say mammon, which is an idol. You can't serve both. You've you got to leave it all behind. You got to leave it all behind. First uh, Timothy chapter six verse ten says, "For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils." It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And so, what Jesus is telling them is like that old habit of sin. When you follow me, all that stuff's got to go. It's got to go. You leave everything. You leave everything. The thing is, what did Levi had to fall back on? He was a tax collector. There was nothing else he could do. Peter and James and John could do what? They could go back fishing, and they did. But, but Levi didn't have anything to fall back on. He just had Jesus. And so he leaves it all. And the question we have to ask us is, what will it cost you to follow Jesus? Easy question. Everything. What will you gain by following Jesus? Everything. Everything. See, one of the things I love about this verse is we see that, that Levi 
doesn't say, hey, wait, I need to go make sure somebody takes over my booth. I need to make sure my, my other guys are taken care of. He doesn't do any of that. He leaves it all. He leaves it all. See, we, we, can't, we can't get clean first and then come to Christ. That's not how this works. When you ask, and, and you ask Christ into your heart, and you, you confess and repent of your sins, you, you need to leave it all. You need to leave it all. And in Levi's heart, he was like, I'm going to follow Jesus. You know, the, the conquistador, Cortez, actually, when they were going to go fight in the Yucatan, one of the things that they did is they actually burned the ships. Why? Because what, was going to, what were the men going to do if they start losing? They're going to jump back on the ships and go home. Some of y'all need to burn your ships. Some of you have stuff that you keep going back to. You're a new creation in Christ. The old is dead. Right? It's passed away. Let it be passed away. Stop going back to it. Burn the ship. Just burn it. Be done with it. you got to leave it all to follow Him. And that's the problem with, with Christian America. They're not willing to leave it all. That's the problem. They want to hang on to stuff. Yet we see this tax collector, Levi, just say, you know what? I'm leaving everything. Everything. To follow Jesus. In verse 15 and 16, we see the reclining and the questioning. We'll look first at the reclining. So we see that, that Levi rose and followed him. And now, what I love about this is the zeal of a new believer. They want everyone to know about Jesus. Everyone. Right? In verse 15, it says, And as he reclined at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And Levi, we go back to Luke chapter 5, verse 29. We get a little more of the information here. Levi made him a great feast in his house. So he has Jesus as into his home. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. Notice the difference between Mark and Luke. Luke says tax collectors and others. What did Mark say? Tax collectors and what? Sinners. Other people that had been condemned by the, by the Sadducees and Pharisees. And, and what we see is Levi had this heart of, of wanting everybody to come meet Jesus. Come meet Jesus, the man that I'm going to follow. Right? Jesus, the friend of tax collectors. You've got to remember now, he's already got how many? He's got a couple of zealots already, right? People who wanted to overthrow Rome physically. And now what does he have? A tax collector. The Jews couldn't stand. This is a great bunch of people, right? It's almost like the bad news bears, but y'all don't remember that's an old 70s thing and all. But it would be like just a, the, the worst possible team you could pick, and that's who Jesus is going to run with. What, what, what Jesus looks at is not what we look at. As Jesus looks at the heart. Remember, they, it tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 18, they, they tell you what they thought of John. John didn't eat or drink. 
Right. He, he ate what? Locusts and stuff. But what do they say about John the Baptist? For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said he, was, he, he has a demon. He has a demon. And this is what do they say about Jesus. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunk, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. You know, sometimes we need to go hang out with sinners. I know that scares a lot of people. Because the church has gotten at a point now where it has become either one or two things. The church has either become a bomb shelter, and I probably shouldn't say that on Facebook because I can already think they're going to block that. A storm shelter could be another way. Right? Everybody kind of hunkering down, waiting for the rapture. Or it's, or it's a cruise ship. Everybody's wanting their every ministry satisfied, their whim, their entertainment. Um, uh, you know, I, one of the things I thought about when I wrote this is, is I had somebody leave our church because he said there's not enough singles in the church. I was like, dude, this is not a club. You're not here to pick up a, to pick up a spouse. You're here to be in the presence of God to hear the word. But see, that's where Christians' heads are at. The cruise ship mentality. I'm here to be entertained. I'm here to be with the next celebrity pastor. I'm here to be with the worship leader that just released his album. That's not what church is about. You realize what church is about? It's a battleship. You're at war. There's an enemy trying to kill, steal, and destroy you every day. You're on the battleship. When you come to church, you know what church is for? To strengthen you, to encourage you, to convict you, to correct you, and to send you back out. Because once you walk out of the doors of this church, you're on the mission field. You're on the mission field. I just left Walmart. One of the easiest places to talk to people is Divine Walmart. There should be no reason why you can't have a conversation with somebody. Every time I come, I have a conversation with somebody. But the church has gotten to a point where we don't want to hang out with sinners. And if we do hang out with sinners, what happens? The church gets on you. Hey, did I see you with so-and-so? Do you know who they are? Do you know what they do? How are they going to come to know Christ? I saw it on Facebook. I saw it on Instagram. You were hanging out with so-and-so. Do you really know who they are? Look, I was just having coffee with them. We need to get to a place. I remember Pastor Bungie from Calvary Chapel, South Austin. He, when he became a Christian, he had a, um, a, a college and guys that he went to college with that was in a fraternity. And they were having a reunion. And he knew that if he could go early, that it would be a chance for him to talk to his friends about Jesus because he was worried about their salvation. And so because there was alcohol being served, he brought a friend with him. One, for accountability, and two, for prayer when you're talking to somebody. And he went. And he shared the gospel and then the night got further along, and they were like, too much alcohol is being poured, we got to go. 
But that's part of being ministry. Is there's going to be times when you, you I'm not saying you got to go to the bar with them, but I'm saying you can meet them for lunch at Whataburger. There ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, but we have to get to a place where we get outside the church. And, and that's what I love about this verse is they called, you know, the, the religious people called Jesus a glutton and a drunkard. But what, did, what is Jesus? A friend of the tax collectors and sinners. And we know there are people living in darkness today. And they know they're living in darkness. But we need to be available and ready to talk to them about Christ. We have to be the salt and the light. We can't stop being that. That's part of the thing that God put on my heart when we first came here was being sun, salt, and light. Knowing and growing in the sun. And going. Right? But at the same time, being the salt and the light in this dark world. Why salt? Because salt preserves and enhances. Salt is, it, it promotes thirst. So when you're talking to somebody, it, it, it actually, you're sharing the gospel with them and you're promoting thirst and they're thirsty for, for Christ. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, it says, Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. We can't waste the opportunities. And we know the, the verse very well. Are you, are you hiding in the light? In Matthew chapter 4, uh, 14, uh, chapter 5, verse 14, a city, that is, uh, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and give it light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men that you may see your good works. They may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You're called to be the light. And see, we're not called to be some secret agent Christian. But you see Jesus reclining with sinners. Okay? So if you see somebody, Divine's a small town, and so is Natalian, Lionel, and Hondo. And I, Chatter can start, and oh, you saw, I saw him on Instagram. Why are you meeting with them? Don't be the religious leader. Why don't you say, hey, you want me to come with you next time? And while you're talking, I'll be praying. We need to start showing the love of Christ. I'm not saying shine from the, the truth of God. You share the truth with them, with love. You do. But we got to get back to it. So we see Jesus reclining, but now the questioning starts from the scribes and the Pharisees. In verse 16, and the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Remember in chapter 1, where did Jesus hear them? Where? In their hearts. They were, in their hearts, they were pondering that stuff, right? But now they're bold now. What are they doing? They don't go to Jesus. They lean over to the disciple. Hey, you see what your boy's doing? He's with the sinners, man, and the tax collectors. You know, and, and the reason why they this is such a big deal is because in the Jewish culture in this time and also today still, 
to, to, to break bread with someone in, at a Jewish home is, is, is to create a bond, a oneness. That's how they see it. That you, you're, you're in, you're, there's a level of friendship that's happening. And so the scribes and the Pharisees just automatically assume, that, why is he hanging out with these sinners? Sad part is, is the religious leaders, they're, they're outwardly religious, but inwardly, they, they need Christ too. Matthew chapter 23, verses 3 and 4, he, Jesus will, as he does the woe is me, uh, or woe to you, uh, scriptures to the, the scribes and the Pharisees, he tells them in Matthew 23, verses 3 and 4, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but but not the works they do. That sounds like your congressman. Or Dr. Fauci. Do what I say, not what I do. That's what my daddy used to always tell me, as he drunk and drive. Be drunk as he could be. And he'd be like, don't do this. I'm like, why are you doing it? Right? Do as I say, not as I do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens. Hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They were actually shutting the door to the kingdom of God to people. They were laying burdens on them. They were too heavy to carry. And we see the same thing. When we look at religious leaders, it's very easy for us to go, okay, that's their thing. But when we look at the prodigal story, we always focus on the prodigal, but what about the brother? the other brother because he does the same thing jesus shares that parable and it's a, it, it jesus has a heart for the loss in luke chapter 15 verses 27 when we look at the 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 other half of the story and he said to him your brother has come and 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 your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound but he was angry and refused to go in his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, when this son of yours, he doesn't even call him brother. He doesn't even say brother, because it was his brother. But when this son of yours came, who devours your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And, and, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this is your brother, was dead and is alive. He was lost, and he's found. And Jesus is going to always go after the lost. In Luke chapter 15, uh, 4, in another parable, he says, what, if, what man of you have a hundred sheep? If he has lost one of them, does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? See, we have to stop being religious in the church. Stop evaluating people as they walk through the door. How they dress, how they talk. Well, I know what they're, I, I, I remember a story about them. They're here to receive the gospel. 
We need to love them. We love the lost. One of the things that you have to understand is that as you're being led by the Holy Spirit, your mission field is everywhere you go. Your mission field is everywhere you go. You may, you may have the Holy Spirit knock on your heart to, to give somebody a bottle of water or some food that's homeless, something you would never do. But if God's given you that to do, you better do it. Don't, don't be disobedient to it. I, I, I remember having a kid that we were, you know, outside the, the, the Walgreens and, and he was like, hey, can you give me some water? Not, hey, can you give me money? But, hey, can, can you give me some water? It was a hot day. Not hot yet. I know. I'm sorry. It's going to get hotter. <laughs> it's, it's not. We're not there yet. It's going to get a lot hotter. But I went in and got him some water, got him some food. And then I sat down with him and asked him what was going on. And then I shared the scripture. You know that I can give you water that you would never go thirsty of again. And he goes, Jesus. I was like, yeah, what's going on, man? How come, what's going on with your relationship? What's happened? You never know who the Holy Spirit wants you to talk to. But you got to be obedient to it. Think we're, we're, we're playing that game in our head. Well, look at their outward appearance. Look at, I could never, you know. We're doing all of that stuff, and we're forgetting that they, they don't know Christ probably. They need Christ. They may know him and need to come back to him. But we need to be, able, be willing to, to step out in faith. Now, one of the things that I'm, I'm telling you is, again, you need to share the, the truth of God's word. Don't sugarcoat that. You need to be open and honest about that. And remember, we're supposed to be, uh, you know, we're not, you know, as Jesus said, Jesus said, I am not of the world, right? But we're supposed to be like Teflon, you know, that nonstick pan. You so, say, you know, if I crack an egg, that's you. It never sticks to the pan, not unless the kids use the metal, and then it sticks all over the place. But you should never stick to the pan, which means that you're in the world, but you're not, or you're not of the world, but you're in it, right? You belong to Christ. But that doesn't mean he's pulling you out so you don't share the gospel. Sadly, what was the worst part of this is they needed Jesus, the religious leaders. They're gladly pointing out the other sinners in the room, and yet they were sinners themselves. And then we'll look finally at Jesus' response. Responding in verse 17, we see responding with good news. So as we, we've seen the, the questioning and the reclining, now we see Jesus respond. And he responds with good news, not fake news. Okay? Not a lot of that going around, but we need good news, the good news of Jesus Christ to be the number one thing that we focus on it said in verse 17 and when jesus heard it he said to them so he answers them those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick i came not to call the righteous but sinners see the great physician came to heal the sick he's worried about those that are that that are bonded up in sin that's what he's here for that's what we're here for so if, if you're not a sinner, Jesus didn't come from you. you know. But the problem is, we're all sinners and Jesus came for every one of us. Every one of us are sinners. 
Every one of us are sick. And I know that's a term that a lot of people, when you go up to tell somebody, you're sick, dude, that's not going to go well. Right? But we're all in need of the, the great physician, Jesus Christ, who died for the sins of this world. And sadly, the, like I said, the scribes and the Pharisees, they couldn't even see their own sin. But they were willing to point out everybody else's. And that's, that's where the church is at right now. We're so glad to point out everybody else's stuff. I'm talking about the church in America. And so Jesus isn't disagreeing with the religious leaders, but sadly they were, they were sick as well. And, and so I love, you know, later on Jesus quotes Hosea 6.6. 6, and that verse says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. What were the religious leaders always doing? Just giving burnt offerings. Right? And see, when you become legalistic and you become about all of that, then you just are throwing up burnt offerings. Because you're, you're called and commanded to go and make disciples. To go and preach the gospel and what? Make disciples. That's for everybody. It's not just the pastor's job. This is where the church has really got to wake up. The churches go, oh, well, that's the church's job. Those are the church leaders. Those are the, the pastors. That's their job. No, it's, it, you were called. If you, remember he said, what? Leave it all behind. Follow me. Jesus quotes that in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. He quotes Hosea 6, 6 to, the, to the religious leaders. He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but what? Sinners. I'm here for the sinners. And unfortunately, there has been too many religious sacrifices. So if you, if you come into church for praise and worship and you're not, it's not making you more compassionate to the lost, you've missed the point of church. You need to check your heart. The whole point of church is that you're compassionate for the lost. It should drive you to go out and share the gospel. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it, we, we know that when he talks about sinners, it's, it, it's just as simple as you missing the mark. That's all that is. If I'm trying to hit the target, I can never hit the target. Ever. That's what my sin does. But as soon as I give my heart to Christ and I repent, I hit the bullseye. Because it's Jesus that's doing it. We're all born with this sin nature, every one of us. If you don't believe me, watch. You have a little brother, you know. Right? Nobody taught him how to do things bad. I watched my grandson. My grandson's five years old. He'll smack you right in the face and then just laugh. And he, and he knows it's wrong. And then, I'm sorry, Grandpa. And I'm like, then don't do it. Right? But we're, we're all born with that sin nature. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. Notice he didn't say Adam and Eve. He said, one man, because who's responsible for the house? The man. Who does God hold account accountable in the house? 
The man, the father, the husband. Adam's responsible, one man. And death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. We're born with this nature. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short. None of us will ever hit the mark without Christ. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a free gift. It's nothing you can earn. Nothing you can do. But repent and ask Christ into your heart. That's it. That's why it tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone comes, uh, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and him and he with me. Jesus is wanting that relationship with you. He wants that relationship with us. And so he came to heal the sick. So what is our application? Well, first one. Have you left it all? To follow Jesus. Is there something holding you back or weighing you down that's hindering your walk with the Lord? That you haven't given up? Maybe, maybe it's a compromise. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe you've created some gray areas in your walk. Maybe you're just fearful of trusting God because you're new to this. And you're hesitating and you, you keep thinking, I'm going to go back to the ship because I haven't burned it yet. Right? You, you can't experience all the Lord has for you until you're willing to do that, to leave it all behind. Let me tell you, this side of it's so much better than what the other side was. In Luke chapter 5, verse 28, And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And I love Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's a very familiar verse, but I don't think people get it. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, and sin which clings to so, clings so closely to, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God and so two things that when I read that and I was talking about letting go and, and letting leaving it all for Christ is that he, he tells us in that scripture what, to, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says to what? Lay aside every weight. What have you picked up again? Because we'll do that. We'll pick stuff up that's familiar to us because it's comfortable for us to carry again. And we need to let it go. Unforgiveness. Um, anger. You know, a sin that, that got comfortable again and we, we started carrying it again. And that's why he says in, in sin, so he says, lay aside and sin which clings so closely. Because it's going to do what? It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause problems when you try to run the race. It's going to weigh you down. You're not going to go anywhere. You're going to be running in place. Never going anywhere. 
Second application. Is there a Levi in your life that needs Jesus? Now, every one of us have one. Right? We all know somebody that needs Christ. Jesus didn't see a tax collector. He saw a man made in the image of God. When you see somebody, don't look at them and try to figure them out. Remember that they're made in the image of God. They're lost, but they're made in the image of God and they need Christ. Now you may, I've been flipped off. I've been yelled at. That's okay. <laughs> at least I tried. The Holy Spirit told me to do it. I did it. Sometimes it, it's awesome. It works. And sometimes it doesn't. And, and you, there, you just do what God has given you to do. So we need to, we need to actually make time to ask people in the store. You, remember, your mission field is the moment you walk out your house. Your mission field is the moment you walk into your job. Your mission field is the moment you walk out the doors of this church or you walk into Walmart or HEB. You never know who God's going to put in place for you to talk to, to invite the church. So I think what we've gotten so focused on is inviting people to church and not sharing the gospel with people, right? We, we do that. Let me invite you to the church, and then the church will save you. That's your job. Do what God's called you to do. It's a command. If you're going to go and meet with somebody, let me know so I can pray. I can get Miss Donna praying. We'll all start praying. Put them in that prayer box so we can start praying for them. Hey, I met so-and-so this week. We need to start praying for them to come to know Christ. I don't care if they go to this church. I don't. I care that they get plugged into a Bible-teaching church, and I care that they, they burn their ships, and I care that they take that same step of faith that Levi did and go, go grab their friends and come tell them about Christ. That's the most important thing. I, 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 I am not into church growth because I know that Jesus did it with how many apostles? Disciples that he had. He, it doesn't take but a, a number of guys to change the world, right? We just need to be willing to do what God has called us to do as a church. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, very familiar verse. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to who? Everyone. Who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Remember, when you're sharing the gospel, it is the power of who? God, not you. God's going to do all the work. God does the heavy lifting. Just get out of his way and ask the Holy Spirit for the words to say. Lord, I don't know what to say. Help me. And God will give it to you. And there are going to be times it doesn't matter what you say. They're just going to be, they're just not ready to receive, to, to even talk about Christ. And guess what? This, this culture that we're in, there's a lot of people that won't be ready, but that doesn't mean the church should cower away. That's what Calvary Chapel, the Jesus movement, was all about. They invited people. They, they talked to people about Christ. They had no problem running around sharing Jesus. And that's what we have to be. A couple of things real quick. When Jesus was willing to 
associate with everyone, right? Because he's, he's with the sinners and the tax collectors, the Pharisees. He's got his, he's got his disciples. Jesus looks at it as one in two ways. You're either a follower or you're not a follower. Okay? You're a follower or you're not a follower. It's the same way we need to look at it. My interaction with the follower is koinia, fellowship. Fellowship. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Koinia is, is not potlucks. Koinia is actually sharing the Word of God with each other and strengthening and encouraging each other as a church. That's what koinia is. His interaction with the non-follower of Christ is what? Evangelism. Evangelism. That's how he does it. So if he's with somebody who, who's a follower of his, he's going to do what? He's going to fellowship. Koinia. Teach. Right? Pray. All those wonderful things. But if he's with somebody who doesn't know Christ, he's going to do what? Evangelize. Very important. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Remember that first little part of that scripture? He went out. He went out. You have to go outside. If you're sitting on that couch right now, you have to come out. you got to come back to church. The gospel is not going to be shared from your couch. And the last bit of application. This is the last one, I promise. Have you ceased being the salt and the light? That's a quick question. And here's a quick question for you. And, and this is the way you can evaluate that. Over time of being a follower of Christ, has your relationships with unbelievers become less and your relationship with believers become more? Are you only surrounded by believers? Bomb shelter. That's what that is. And then that's, that's when Christians start being the cruise ship. And they, they look for the entertainment, and they look, hey, I got, I, got, I got to find a wife. This ain't a club, dude. It's a church. You're on a battleship. I'm fixing to send you out into the battlefield. As soon as you walk out these doors, you're going out into the battlefield. Don't be like the scribes and the Pharisees. Don't be sitting there going, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? I saw you at Whataburger with that sinner. You know why I was there? Because they need Jesus. Why weren't you there with me? That's what you hit them right back. Right? That's why we're participating in the, in the Cactus Fest. That's the whole purpose of it. Oh, well, there's going to be alcohol, and there's going to be, I'm, uh, 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 no, I'm here to give out free balloons and tell people about the free gift of salvation of Jesus Christ. Right? You need prayer, I'll pray for you. That's what I'm there for. And meet people. Meet people that I would never get to meet. Because you know what the pastor's job is? Is to teach the word. We don't, we don't get to go out. Y'all go out. You have jobs, you have places that you go, you have people that you see that I will never see, that you get to share the gospel to. That's what you're called to do. You're called to be an ambassador for Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. That's why we're the salt and the light. We're supposed to be the salt and the light. We implore 
you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him, sin, him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You are a representation of Christ. And remember, Christ reclined with sinners. Right? He wasn't, wasn't worried about the righteous. He was worried about who? The lost. And that's, that's where our focus needs to be as a church. And so what I want to do is I know everybody here knows the, the Lord. And I'm going to ask you to close your, your eyes and we're going to pray. But I know there are people that are online and there are going to be people on the podcast that listen to this that you, you may not have chosen to leave everything behind to follow Jesus. Or you may have stopped following Jesus and you need to get back and burn the ships and get back to following Christ. And just remember what Pastor Skip Isaac says is, is that you can be 10 steps from the Lord or 10,000 or 10 million and as soon as you repent, you're right back with Christ. And we need to remember that no matter where you're at with your relationship with the Lord. So let's close our eyes and I'm going to lead us in this prayer for those that are online and on the podcast. Uh, if you, it tells us simply in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that uh, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's four things that we do to, uh, to receive Christ. Is one, admit that we're a sinner, that we will never hit the mark. We'll never hit the mark. Only one that does that is Jesus because he is perfect and sinless. And two, we ask for forgiveness. We repent of our sins and we turn from our sin and turn to Christ. We believe that Christ died on the cross and we ask Christ into our heart and be Lord of our life. And so just pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe in my heart you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and be my Lord and Savior. Lead my life. Help me leave everything to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and close out in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for this word. We thank you as we uh, leave these doors, as we head out into the mission field, that you would put, uh, I know that each one of us have people that we can pray for. Uh, I know that there are, uh, we all have Levi's in our lives, someone that needs Christ. And, and so, Lord, you already know who that person is they're thinking of right now. It could be a loved one. It could be a family member. could be a friend or a co-worker. Father God, I, I pray that you would give us each opportunity this week to share the gospel. Each one of us. And you know every name that's here. Put that knocking on our heart through the Holy Spirit that we would actually share Christ with somebody. Invite them to church. And even if they don't live in Divine, get them plugged into a Calvary Chapel somewhere here in San Antonio. We're all family. And so, Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this word. And uh, we thank you for uh, just a, a, a wonderful message to know that you came to save sinners and we were all sinners we're all sinners we need you and and lord if there's anyone here that has some cargo on the ship that they keep going back to let them burn the ships and and just follow you leave it all behind and follow you
And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you need to get a hold of us, calvarydivine.org. God bless y'all. Y'all have a a good week. I went a little long. And so y'all have a good one. Uh, I think that's it, Court. Say goodbye, Court. Bye, Court. (laughs) Y'all have a good one. God bless y'all. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.